Should Ron Rivera have known how good Sam Howell could be last year in Sam's rookie year? I'll give you my answer to that question and more coming up next on Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to this Wednesday episode of Locked On Commanders Daily Podcast, covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And you can continue this conversation with me via text message by simply going to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. You get your first two weeks for free. If you like it, you stick around. If you don't, I appreciate you trying it out. Either way, I'm your host, David Harrison, on Twitter at dharrison82, credential member of the media covering your Washington Commanders for CommanderCountry.com, part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And as always, greatly appreciate all the everydayers for coming through on a consistent basis, continuing to support the program the way that you do. On today's episode of Locked On Commanders, we're going to talk about several things. We're back out of practice for the first practice post-roster cuts open to the media, practice squad players. Uh, in attendance as well. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about some other issues going on around Commanderland uh, today. But today's episode brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're going to start today's episode talking about something that Actually came out yesterday on Tuesday as we're reacting to all the roster cuts and having the roster cut press conference with uh, head coach Ron Rivera, general manager Martin Mayhew, talking to them about the decision process and, and how they made the, came to the, some of the decisions they did uh, with specific players uh, in mind. But during the day, uh, interview with Albert Breer, Sports Illustrated came out that involved uh, Ron Rivera, Albert Breer's interview with Ron Rivera. During the interview, Coach Rivera revealed to Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated that he had had a conversation following the Week 18 win over the Dallas Cowboys with his wife about how good Sam Howell performed in that game and about how uh, he wished he had known that Sam was that good uh, prior to that game. And he said, according to Breer Sports Illustrated, again, quote, you can ask Stephanie. All we effing talked about was the quarterback, what the quarterback did, who he was, uh, and that, according to Breer's Rivera told him sitting on the couch in his office. Continuing, quote, I kept saying, F, if I would have known this, I would have played him sooner. When you only have so much time to show it, it's hard. I kept thinking, God. But after that game, everything told me this kid, give him the opportunity and see what he does with it, end quote. So that quote right there uh, sparked some some controversy on social media, sparked some reactions by plenty of people, of course, and I'm sure that you've heard and, and seen a lot of reactions there um, about Coach Rivera kind of looking in hindsight. And he was asked by Matt Paris of Washington Times during the post-cut down press conference about those comments and kind of about, you know, learning about Sam Howell and coach very acknowledged. It was, it was kind of a hindsight situation. You know, again, those comments are made after the Dallas Cowboys win and the interview is obviously, you know, not a full year, but a season later uh, in, in real time uh, talking to, to Albert Breer there. Well, one of the more popular reactions to what coach Rivera told Albert Breer uh, in that SI article came from Pat McAfee, former NFL punter, uh, host of his own very popular show, now works with ESPN. I believe he's he's one of the co-hosts now on ESPN Game Day. And uh, Pat had a, had a lot to say uh, about Coach Rivera's words. And, and here's a little bit of, of a kind of a collection of the quotes uh, that Pat McAfee had to say. Again, if you want to get the entire clip, you can, you can find it on Twitter. You can find it in a lot of articles that have been written about it. So some of the things that Pat had to say, quote, the more things 
that he says with his outside voice that should just be inside voice things makes me realize that maybe he's lost the certain thing that head coaches need to have. Quote, end quote. Uh, McAfee continued, quote, for instance, not good to say, especially a guy that gets drafted to potentially be the future, to say, F, I had no idea this guy was good. Do you know what I would have done if we knew this guy could play football like this? End quote. So I think the first part of this, so so Pat McAfee kind of goes on this, this uh, I don't want to call it a rant, but right? he kind of goes on this, this long conversation, this long line of, of conversation about Coach Rivera having an inside voice and an outside voice and saying things that should be talked about an inside voice with his outside voice. And, and I don't want to put words in Pat McAfee's mouth, but the way that I'm, I'm understanding what he's talking about is that there are certain things that should stay inside the organization and certain things that should not, uh, or in certain things that you can tell to the public. And, and you know, Coach Rivera's had uh, plenty of plenty of comments in the past that people have taken a certain way with a certain grain of salt and under a certain light that some people think shouldn't be said uh, in the public. You go back to the comments just during training camp about Eric Bienmi and him saying that some players early on in the process had some concerns. Obviously, those comments were kind of taken, and depending on the outlet, depending on the person hearing them, whether it's a media member, a fan, someone on social media, what have you, national media, uh, you know, people kind of take things a certain kind of way. Could Ron Rivera choose a little bit wiser what he says to reporters, what he says in the public light, and what he doesn't? Sure, he, he absolutely could. But I think something that media members and, and fans alike should appreciate about a coach is a coach is willing to to conversate, right? And and I've, I've had the the pleasure of covering a, a few, few different coaches. Washington, Ron Rivera is the only coach that I've covered, but in Tampa I've covered a few different coaches. And I'll tell you that I've, I've seen a little bit of a, a variety from coaches that really don't like to say anything, kind of like your Todd Bowles, to coaches that will say a lot, uh, like Bruce Arians, and you can kind of trust a lot of what he says. And then coaches who say a lot without saying much, which is what we had with Dirk Cutter uh, as the head coach there with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, and I would tell you personally, and again, I can't speak for everybody, right, but I would personally rather have a coach that is a little bit more transparent. And yes, there is the risk that he's going to say something uh, that messes up or say something that maybe people take uh, and construed in a certain kind of way, whether it was intended to be that way or not. And, and honestly, Bruce Arians, like there were several moments where Bruce Arians would say something to us. And once it got put out there in the public space, it was taken a certain kind of way or was taken in a certain kind of light. Now, what I would say is Bruce Arians and his reputation and kind of just having the guy, the cool guy, you know, doesn't care type of attitude kind of shielded him a little bit from some of the stuff. And granted, he's in Tampa, Florida. He's not in the in the nation's capital. Right. So it's a little bit of a different uh, environment as well. So that certainly plays into it. But I think personally, I would rather have a coach that I covered who is willing to speak, who's willing to say things and, and just kind of have to understand kind of the context of, of where it's coming from. So that's just about the willingness for Coach Rivera to speak. But now let's get to the actual topic at hand and, and the evaluation of the quarterback, right? So so McAfee continues, quote, what we all liked about Sam Howell was how strong his arm was. Uh, I couldn't even imagine in practice what he was doing whenever he's just reading off cards, going against the defense. I'm sure the defense is like, this guy has got effing hose over here. Uh, and Ron Rivera is like, I don't want to see the film. I don't want to see the film. I don't want to see anything, end quote. And that's where I think Pat McAfee gets a little bit unfair here in the criticism of, of Coach Rivera. And again, just to be completely clear, during the season especially, uh, media members only get to see a very short portion of practice. And what we get to see is the individual workout. Maybe we'll get to see the quarterback throw some routes and stuff like that. But you don't get to see the 11-on-11s, the 7-on-7s like you do during training camp. So from the end of preseason last year, all through the regular season, media members here didn't see anything really from Sam Howell because we weren't allowed to. Now, during practice, what was Sam Howell doing? Well, I can't tell you day-to-day -day what he was doing, but I can tell you for the most part what he was doing is running the scout team. So what is the scout team? What the scout team has got there to do 
is to give the defense certain looks. So let's say we're playing the Denver Broncos next week. The scout team is going to go out there, run specific plays that we think the Denver Broncos are give specific looks that we think the Denver Broncos are going to give to the Washington Commanders defense. That allows the Washington Commanders defense to get a read on it, to get some influence on it, to get some exposure to it, and to get some practice running against some schemes and systems and route combinations that we think they might see in the upcoming game. That is what the scout offense does. So for at least a good portion of practices, again, I can't tell you exactly what Sam did with every single snap, but for the good portion of the practices that he was running when he's getting reps, He's largely doing things that are scripted for him to give good looks to the defense. So it's not really about him trying to beat the defense in the traditional sense or him going out there and showing that he can lead the team, lead the offense. Now, I will say that there have been some players. Uh, I was talking to another media member on the sideline today, and, and former Washington linebacker John Bostic came up. And John used to praise Sam Howell for some of the confidence he had on the practice field last year, uh, and especially doing some things like running the read option and how smart he was running the read option and do those kinds of things. So it's not that Sam didn't show – anything positive, right? And certainly the arm strength. I mean, we were all kind of ranting and raving uh, about the arm strength from the beginning of training camp. I think everybody could see that was evident, but it takes more than just a strong arm to be a good quarterback in the National Football League. So should Ron Rivera have seen what we saw in week 18, what we're seeing now? I think to a certain extent, certainly you can say, yes, he probably could have or should have. But I think it's also important to remember the limited scope that you're actually seeing a backup, especially a third string quarterback for a period of time, a backup quarterback for a period of time. It's not going through the lens that we got to see during training camp here this year for San Jose. So I just take that grain of salt with it again. I'm not telling anybody how to believe or how to understand. I just want to apply that context to kind of understand what it is Sam is doing at practice last year uh, from a physical standpoint. The other side of that uh, that I would mention is we all have kind of talked about how Ron Rivera runs his ship, right? His offensive coordinator, his defensive coordinator, by and large, they run autonomously, right? He runs the entire thing. He's the commander of the organization, but he lets his coordinators run their units. So I would say before we say, why didn't Ron Rivera know that Sam Howell could be this? I would say, why didn't Scott Turner know? Why didn't Ken Zampezi know that Sam Howell was going to be this good? I always kind of start there because those are the guys, if you want the autonomy, which pretty much every coordinator in the NFL wants, I think, if you want that autonomy, you also have to take the responsibility of being able to deliver that information. So not taking the blame off of any one person, just saying this is a systematic deal. Uh, so it's more than one person uh, that should be carrying, I think, a, a load of the blame here if we're going to drop blame on people. So that's my opinion on it. Uh, take it for, for what that's worth as always. Uh, listening and commenting and, and all that stuff doesn't require you agreeing with me. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about practice. We're going to talk about some, some actual things happening this year, including uh, the announcement of the practice squad and some injury updates from practice. That's coming up next on today's episode of Lockdown Commanders, part of Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And we'll do that thanks to our friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. So you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free and then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks once again for making Locked On Commanders your first listen for you today and every day. Every day is once again, thank you for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. Subtexters, greatly appreciate you hanging out with me during practice, texting from the sideline while we're waiting to go in the locker room. 
uh, and even a little bit from the locker room. Really appreciate your involvement. If you want to get involved on that, just head to join subtext.com slash locked on commanders. First two weeks are free. Figure it out if you like it. If you do, stick around. If you don't, uh, I appreciate you giving it a shot. Anyway, subtextures, I do have more information, more things I'm looking to share through that platform with you here in the very near future. So stick around. Uh, very excited for some of the things that I'm trying to put together for you. Speaking of putting things together, the Washington Commanders obviously put together their initial 53-man roster uh, this week, but they also had to put together their practice squad. In order for that to happen, you first had to get players through waivers, unclaimed, unsigned, all the like, and then uh, bring them back and have uh, have them agree to terms with you to be a part of your practice squad. And we were able to see them on the practice field today, uh, on Wednesday again, for a short period of time, uh, because regular season mode is upon us. So media members, we have very little practice time. We get very little uh, view of it, really a lot of his roll call. Uh, and, you know, guys like Logan Thomas, how much, how well are they moving? Are they moving at all? Are they out there running? Uh, stuff like that. So that's kind of stuff we're going to get specifically from practice. And then we talk to coach, talk to the players, try to get more uh, from them as they're willing to share. But first, before we get to, to the injury stuff, let's talk about the practice squad. So the first name that uh, stands out to me on the practice squad, quarterback Jake Fromm. As you know, every day is, I would go back to our roster projections. I did put him on my 53-man roster projection. Simply thought he did enough in the preseason, almost too much to uh, to allow him to get away. Not sure if he had any offers from anybody or, or if anybody really wanted him to come over. But bottom line, he goes unclaimed. So he ends up back with uh, the Washington Commanders and certainly happy to see him uh, here in the facility on Wednesday. Uh, wide receivers, two of them, Casimir Allen. We talked about him, the young punt return, uh, kick return specialist who who's obviously has some receiver ability. You know, we talked about the, the drops in the preseason game, the muff punt in the preseason game, but we also talked about him coming back on the practice squad because the coaches, I mean, from the beginning of rookie minicamp, Ron Rivera was one of the, he was, Kaz Allen was one of the first names that Ron Rivera talked about uh, before the, the rookie minicamp and that excitement and that uh, anticipation of what his potential could be for this team has not gone away despite some of the, the flaws and the struggles that we saw th- during camp and in the preseason. So he's going to get to stick around. He'll be on the practice squad. He'll get some training and we'll see what happens. Uh, next year with with his development. Wide receiver Bryson Tremaine, who caught a touchdown pass in that final preseason game. Remember uh, Mitchell Tinsley, who made the active roster, got it all the way down to the one-yard line, almost got into the end zone. Very next play, uh, Jake Fromm hit Bryson Tremaine in the end zone uh, for that touchdown. So two wide receivers on the practice squad, two running backs also on the practice squad. Uh, first and foremost, Alex Arma. And before you tell me he's a fullback or a tight end, the commander's roster has him as a running back that they handed to us today. That's the reason I listed him here as a running back. Don't yell at me, yell at them. Uh, so Alex Arma, again, a guy that I put on my 53 uh, over Curtis Hodges. He makes the practice squad, so he's back here uh, as well to continue his development and running back Derek Gore, a guy that Martin Mayhew mentioned to me uh, during the press conference on Tuesday about Eric Bieniemy's participation in player evaluation and deciding who to bring in. He mentioned Derek Gore specifically as a guy who's come in uh, off of the back of Eric Bieniemy's recommendations or, or what have you and has made a significant uh, difference during the training camp preseason period. So he's back on the practice squad as well. That means no Jarrett Patterson on the Washington Bears practice squad. Uh, four offensive linemen make it to the practice squad. Jared Jones-Smith, Alex Akinbulu, two offensive tackles, and then two interior offensive linemen, Mason Brooks, Nolan Laufenberg. Obviously, Mason Brooks was a, a, a kind of a favorite. I would call it a darling or a Cinderella of training camp for, for a period of time there. Um, I think they still like what he has to bring to the field, and they, they certainly want to continue to develop that. And uh, you look at Jared Jones-Smith a little bit more, of a football veteran, he's got a little bit of experience, but uh, we'll see what he can continue to do here uh, in the NFL with the Washington Commanders. And then Alex Akinbulu, Nolan Laufenberg, two guys that were with the team last year. Nolan Laufenberg specifically took a very large step today. Uh, Coach Juan Castillo told me 
earlier during training camp that he was looking really, really good, re- took a really good step forward. And we talked about them cross-training him a little bit at center during the tail end of training camp. I think if they continue to work on him with that this time next year, I think potentially Nolan Laufenberg is a serious, serious contender uh, to make the active 53-man roster. Two defensive linemen, defensive end Will Bradley King continues to stick around with the team. Defensive tackle Benning Potts I going into his second season with the Washington Commanders. This will be his first full season. He started last season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Linebacker Scooter Harris makes the practice squad. Two cornerbacks, Tariq Castro-Fields in his second season out of Penn State, sticking around. Also Nick Whiteside the second, uh, hanging around on the practice squad as well. And then safety Terrell Burgess also making the practice squad. So that's 15 names, but there's 16 spots on the practice squad. And the reason that is, is Jabril Cox reportedly headed to the commander's practice squad, according to NFL Network's Mike Garofolo first, and then uh, confirmed by several of the media members that you know and love out here on a daily basis. I think I saw Sam Fortier of Washington Post specifically tweet that he was able to later confirm Mike Garofolo's initial report. So who is Jabril Cox? Well, fourth round pick of the Dallas Cowboys in 2021, active in both 21 and 2022 for the Cowboys, played seven games in 2021 and had two total tackles. Nine games in 2022, had six total tackles, 87% of his snaps, 300-plus snaps in his career uh, have come on special teams. So this has been a fringe roster guy his entire career. Uh, but Garofolo also reported that the commanders had high evaluations on Cox entering the 2021 draft, but obviously they didn't end up coming up with him. Uh, instead, he went 115th overall in the fourth round to the Dallas Cowboys. The commanders end up taking tight end John Bates at 124. Doesn't mean they would have taken Jabril Cox over John Bates necessarily, but that's just, you know, that's the guy who kind of correlates with the, the area uh, that Cox was originally drafted. And back in 2021, Lance Zerline wrote on Jabril Cox's uh, draft profile, quote, he'll need to be placed in a scheme where he can play proactive, attacking football rather than getting bogged down as a thinker. He's extremely fast with verified playmaking traits and credentials. His cover talent could help him quickly get on the field. He's below average in diagnosing and using his hands, uh, which can put him in recovery mode. At times, however, traits and talent should be enough to overcome those issues and help make him a solid three down starter within the first couple of seasons. Well, he's coming to his third season. Obviously, he's not a three down starter, but the Washington Commanders certainly liked what they saw in him before. So they'll continue to try to develop him here uh, on his on their practice squad. So let's wrap up our commanders football practice news uh, here on Wednesday with some observations on the injury front. No Terry McLaurin as he still works through that toe injury. Uh, Not really expecting to see him this week at all. Maybe next week. I wouldn't really. I don't know if I would get your hopes up about him playing week one, to be quite honest with you, but more to follow on that. Chase Young participating in practice again, just in the portion we got to see, so I'm not sure what he was doing after we left. Uh, no pads today, so really, at the end of the day, even if he participated in the whole thing, there's not a lot of contact, but I'm still fairly confident you'll see Chase Young week one. And Logan Thomas uh, was again on the field in the early part of practice dealing with his calf injury. We spoke to him in the locker room after practice. He says he feels good. He feels ready to go. No limitations. Uh, he was asked specifically, I believe, by John Kime of ESPN if this was the regular season the last couple of weeks, if he would have been held out the way that he has been. And he said no. That's simply because it was preseason, abundance of caution, all that stuff. So it certainly sounds like Logan Thomas trending in the right direction for week one against the Arizona Cardinals, which the Arizona Cardinals cannot say. Zach Ertz today uh, on Wednesday said that he doesn't know if he'll be ready for week one himself. So the Washington Bears could have their veteran tight end on the field while the Arizona Cardinals may be without their veteran tight end. And you know, they certainly need as many weapons as they can have over there. The Washington Commanders aren't going to be upset about that, but uh, the Arizona Cardinals certainly want that. Something that uh, a lot of other people want is uh, a new name, a new name to the old name. Uh, we got an update on that on Wednesday, shortly before practice. There's J.P. Finley of 106.7 The Fan. That's next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. 
Nice, luxurious office. It's not as not as good as a, a scenery as uh, we've had during training camp. But now it's uh, regular season mode. We're back in the in the in the annex, and this is what the annex looks like. So, uh, thanks for coming through. As always, uh, every day is coming through and, and supporting the, uh, the 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 channel, the the episode, the show. Uh, we got some updates on the name change front. So, there's been a lot of conversation about the name changing for the Washington Commanders again uh, since the sale has gone through. Since Josh Harris became the managing partner of the new ownership group. Uh, and specifically, there are quite a few people reportedly who want the name to go back to the old name uh, that people so love and, and cherish. And Josh Harris is one of those people that loves and cherishes that name, as he said several times in, in press conferences and, and meetings and, and things since he's uh, taken over as the managing partner of the team. But during an interview uh, with J.P. Finley on 106.7 The Fan, uh, team president Jason Wright said, quote, uh, well, according to a tweet by J.P. Finley, Washington Commanders, uh, President Jason Wright said, quote, it's not being considered, period. The full tweet by JP said, quote, Commander's Team President Jason Wright says that the team will not consider going back to the old team name. It is not being considered, period. So again, not being considered. Now, personally, I'm happy that Jason put this out there because I know it's been a big topic and, and a lot of people have asked about it. A lot of people have asked me about it specifically. Every day, as you already know, I've given you my opinion, uh, whether whether or not Josh Harris loves the name, has affinity for the old name, obviously his childhood memories are attached to the old name. I, I think that on a personal level somewhere, maybe Josh Harris would love to bring back the old name. But when you talk about it from a business sense, which is what he's got to do as the as the managing partner of this team, it's not something that is wise for him to do. It's not something that I think the NFL will let him do anyway. The other NFL owners aren't going to let him do it. And you look at all the sponsors and all the business partnerships that are starting to trickle in, um, very, very quickly, actually. So I say trickle, but really they're starting to flow. Um, those are going to dry up quickly if he tries to to do this. And again, it doesn't matter if I agree with it or like it. it doesn't matter if we all agree with it or like it. Uh, that is just kind of the landscape that we're operating in and that Josh Harris is operating in. So that's not an opinion. That's just the way that the landscape looks. And then, you know, team president Jason Wright all but, you know, I mean, basically confirming he's not speaking for Josh, but he's pre pretty confident that Jason Wright is not going to say something like that unless uh, he's got the go-ahead, too, and he he knows that that's uh, the case. Now, something that I think uh, some fans, and, and I think most Commanders fans, uh, you know, would would appreciate. I mean, some of you are on the boat of, it's the Commanders. Like, just, just move on. Let's just focus on winning football games. Uh, and I get that point of view as well, certainly. But I also get the point of view of, of, you know, the tie to history and all that stuff. But there's the other side of this. There's the other side of, could the team name change again down the road to a different name? And I will say that, you know, Things are said, but then at the same time, some things are not said. Jason Wright didn't say that the name's not going to change at all. He just said that the name is not going to change back. So if you're in that camp of wanting the name to change, and if you can't have the old name, let's get a new name, then I guess there's a little bit of sliver of hope. I'm not telling you it's going to happen. I'm just telling you that the team president squashed one part of it. He did not squash the other part of it, which means maybe there's a chance, right? Jim Carrey, I don't know the character's name, but maybe there's a chance. So. Um, some of you are going to be happy with the news. Some of you are not going to be happy with the news. I think moving forward, at least we have some finality to it. We have some resolution to that part of this conversation. And uh, we can move forward with the next part of the conversation as it comes. But I still think the new stadium situation, where the, the commanders are going to play in the future, all those things still uh, much bigger fish to fry for Jason Wright, for Josh Harris, and then, of course, for Ron Rivera, looking at putting a winning product on the field. Speaking of doing that, coming up tomorrow, we're back out here at practice. We will also be talking to Director of Player Personnel, 
Eric Stokes. So come back for comments and observations from that. In the meantime, if you've got questions or comments, just throw them in the YouTube comments on Twitter uh, or email me at LockedOnCommanders at gmail.com. Send them directly via text to subtext uh, via joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnCommanders. As always, thank you for making Locked On Commanders first listen of the day every day, every day. Thank you for coming through on a consistent basis like you do and making me a part of your day, part of your football routine. Until we speak again, please be safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team. <laughs>